There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Whether it's on the gridiron. For the end zone, it's Jefferson who's got the touchdown. On the court. Edwards thinking three and popping a three. On the ice. It's Caprice over the open net. Or on the diamond. Buxton hammers that to left field. Another Minnesota home run. Whether it's positive. I think this is a good enough roster to make the playoffs. Or negative. He's terrible. Awful. Don't get it. Don't understand it. Whether there's optimism. Hey, they might be able to even make it to a conference final. Or pessimism. Don't expect me to be super excited. I mean, I don't know. Does this really do much for anybody? There's always something to chat about. Shout out to Minnesota Sports Chat. Keep on being elite. If you're looking for fun, informative, discussion on all things Minnesota sports, you've come to the right place. This is Minnesota Sports Chat, and now, here's your host, Ross Brendel. That would be me, at Brendel Ross, on the Twitter machine, the host of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat, award-winning if only in my own mind. Yes, again, find me on that Twitter machine, at Brendel Ross. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to Minnesota Sports Chat. How do I say that better? Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review Minnesota Sports Chat on Apple and Spotify. And if you're listening in the Score North Taxi Squad feed, I greatly appreciate that. I encourage you to also subscribe to Minnesota Sports Chat wherever it is. That you get your podcasts. This is technically maybe a review and preview edition with Daniel House from GophersGuru.com at Daniel House NFL on the Twitter machine, but I thought I would go with the normal Minnesota sports chat open, which reminded me we are now really into the winter sports season as it's early December on this record date. I'll need to talk some Minnesota North Stars, aka Wild and Timberwolves again here real soon. But for today, you get a little gopher football, college football, and NFL chat with my guy, Daniel House from gophersguru.com. Daniel, how you feeling, my man? Uh, I'm feeling good. I'm excited for the conference championship weekend. Uh, You know, the gopher season, regular season has come to a close, and now just uh, wait for the bowl game selection. Championship Saturday, technically Friday night, if you count the Pac-12 as well, but the bulk, most of the games on Saturday. Also, Army-Navy America's game comes up next Saturday, and then the bowl games start within days of that. Uh, Daniel, why don't we do this? Let's start with a big Golden Gopher football victory. They finished the season 8-4, and four, tied for second in the Big Ten West. They get to 8-4 and four on the arm of the Greek gunslinger, Ethan Kaliak-Manis. This highlight, courtesy of our friends at ESPN. Kaliak-Manis again the slip! And Lamecki Brockington takes it to the house! 43 yeah, the first touchdown of Brockington's career. That's Daniel House's guy. Ended up putting the Gophers on top, twenty-three to sixteen. Uh, things would remain interesting and get interesting, but the Gophers hold on. They retain the axe in back-to-back years. If my math is correct, I think the third time in five years, maybe it's six years. Here, regardless, PJ Fleck moves to three and three against Wisconsin. House, I'll phrase it this way. Overall, in my opinion, 
as eight and four seasons go, it's a fairly disappointing eight and four. That doesn't mean you can't be incredibly happy and ecstatic with ending the season by beating your arch rival, especially coming off a really bitter and disappointing performance the week prior against Iowa. So it's it's hard not to have a bit of a smile on your face still almost a week after the Gophers beat the Badgers. You look back, Ross, and you think about about five plays that maybe would have defined the Gopher season in, in a totally different way, like and maybe taken them to the level that they wanted to get to in the, the Big Ten West championship. But, you know, finishing the season with a win at Wisconsin, you know, showing that the passing game could do something with the receivers that are there. I mean, Lamecki Brockington, you mentioned it earlier, like that's my guy right there. I was happy to see him get reps and shine in that role. I mean, he's he's someone that I still feel like I still feel like can make a huge contribution in the future here, especially now you look at that receiver room getting Marcus Allen from Wisconsin, Chris Ottman Bell expected to come back. You know, uh, Daniel Jackson can play more out of the slot, which is something that I wrote about this week. You know, I think that's a, a really good spot for him to be in. But with the current landscape of that wide receiver depth chart, it was less, you know, let, they, were let, they weren't really able to use him in that role as, as much. So, you know, I just liked what I saw from the, the passing game and being more aggressive on first down. Like their first down efficiency was really good. And they were taking some shots downfield and sort of stretching the defense out a little bit. And I thought that was something that certainly uh, was a big X factor in the game. First down efficiency drives everything. So Kaliak Manis throws for over 300 yards. He has the two touchdown passes. What changed, Daniel? Because it wasn't just that nice catch by Brockington. Daniel Jackson had a touchdown reception in a great game. Dalen Wright with a couple of nice catches. Uh, Brevin Span Ford, for as critical as I've been of him in the passing game, was uh, really good on Saturday, and you could tell he was playing inspired football, basically hurdling defenders every every chance that he got. So what changed in one week? Is that schematics? Is that confidence? Is it as simple as kind of the, okay, hey, we didn't chuck the ball around at all the previous week. As a coaching staff, we took heat for it, so we're going to show you. We're going to throw the football all around the field. What was the big difference that led to a passing outburst against a defense that is not great, but it's okay? So what what was the biggest factor there? I'd say just installing a quick game that allowed you know the, the Gophers to generate you know quick hitting completions, which I said kind of was going to be a key coming into the game is. You know, not getting in those situations where you're behind the sticks all the time. If you can get five, six yards, you know, they're running those quick hitches for, you know, they're eight yard depth completion type of deals and then being able to make plays after the catch. So, you know, the hitches, the slants, uh, the crossing routes, they're, you know, those blended in as well. And then just vertical go balls. I mean, giving Dalen Wright a chance down the field because, you know, you, you look at those contested catch situations. With his physicality, his ability to go get the football, you just give him a chance to make a play and he'll do it. I liked how he was involved, you know, getting him a speed cut, stiff arm, you know, creating after the catch. The the notable thing that I took away from this game is that the Gophers had 133 yards after the catch. 51 of it, I believe, came from Brevin Span Ford. So, you know, getting him involved underneath, 
uh, taking advantage of what the defense was giving them. You know, you knew Wisconsin liked to play a lot of cover one. So the concepts, you know, attacking that. But then, you know, cover two to the boundary was the coverage scheme on the Lamecki Brockton touchdown. Doesn't even sound like that was part of like the spot in the progression he was supposed to be in. He just saw something and cut it loose, throws it right past the DB's ear there. He comes out of the break, bang, hit that glance route, and Lamecki just takes over. I, I thought the scheme was was very good in the passing game because it emphasized quick passing, but also blending in those deep shots. I'm glad you brought up the route and the play the, uh, that led, or not that led, that was the touchdown you notice on the replay, oftentimes when you look at a slant or some form of under route, you see the wide receiver undercut the defensive back. Well, in this case, he actually just kind of went right around him and then crossed in front of the safety. So that was that was kind of fun to see. And in the passing game, I also thought it was just interesting when you talk about the cover two, a few times they literally attacked it, lack of a better way of describing it, right in the middle. So you get the the receiver gets past the DB, and then twice in that game, to my recollection, Kaliak Manis drops it right between the corner and the safety with just precision point accuracy. So I, I think that that's a really good sign going forward. We'll see what the Gophers roster looks like come bowl game. I'm assuming some players will sit out, but I, I don't know. At one point, Daniel, I thought that Mo would sit out the game. I don't know if he will at this point now because he's so close to the rushing title for the University of Minnesota that maybe he plays just so he has that. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. I think you and I, we can revisit here in two, three weeks and we can preview the bowl game, which I think is likely to be either Nashville, Charlotte, or New York. I think those are the three likely destinations with the world-famous Duke's Mayo Bowl or the Pinstripe Bowl, which not a huge fan of games in baseball stadiums, but I do love the Pinstripe Bowl because I think it's a great setting. Christmas time in New York, that's pretty cool. And Nashville is always fun. So, hey, Gophers have a chance to go to a bowl game, win it, get to nine wins for the second straight year in a row, throw out the COVID year and the year before that, Daniel. Look, I mean, there's plenty of things you can nitpick on P.J. Flack, and I have, but the the sustained success he's now had here basically three seasons in a row is pretty impressive. And, and look, I've seen a lot of people say, okay, yeah, but look at the records of the Big Ten teams that he's beating versus the one, ones that he's not. All fair points. I, I get that. But I will say this. Go back and look at just the most recent gopher coaches that had success here. Jerry Kill didn't have a three-year run like this. Glenn Mason didn't have a three-year run like this. Uh, let's let's be I'm very critical of fan bases like Nebraska that I don't think understand their lot in life and I'm not saying you shouldn't strive for more but I am saying when you're living in the moment you should try and appreciate the success a little bit more and look I say this for me as much as anybody because I can be probably overly critical but I'm the guy Daniel that says every year this program should win at least six games for showing up and it would be nice if they won eight games a good chunk of the years, and then every three or four years, you win 10 games plus. I'd be a hypocrite if I sat here and told you that I'm massively disappointed. I am disappointed, but it's, again, at the end of the day, it's eight and four, you beat your number one rival, you're going to go to a, I don't know, average bowl game, 
I can't be too disappointed. I, I just can't. Now, on the flip side, had they lost to Wisconsin, I would be sitting here today telling you I'm incredibly disappointed. So it's amazing how much difference one game and one win can make. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, it's one of those things where you, you look back on seasons and you say, all right, what was the what was the reason why the program couldn't take the next step? And I do that every season. And I come back to, you know, the Purdue game was the defining moment of the season. Like I felt coming into the year that that was the game you had to win. And if you, you were able to do that. I don't want to cut you off, but you said all year that, especially after the Gophers lost, that that was going to be the game that they're chasing all year. And when you look at the standings at the end of the year, Daniel, what happens if Minnesota beats Purdue a few months ago at Huntington Bank Stadium? What would happen to the Gophers, Daniel? Big Ten West, yep. man. They'd be Big yep. Ten West champs. Yep, they'd that's be, what it came down to. That's exactly what it came down to. And again, I'll give you the Illinois loss. No matter what, you just yeah. weren't going to beat Illinois that day. You probably weren't going to beat Penn State. But it comes back to the Illinois, or excuse me, the Iowa loss and the Purdue game. But and, I'll and have I your, think, I'll let you have your moment, but I wanted to give you credit. You said going into that game, it might be the most important game of the year. And ever since then, you talked about how they'll be chasing that game. And sure enough, they were. Yeah, it was definitely the case. And, you know, you look at, you know, Chris Altman Bell going down and not having that, you know, ability to, you know, fill that role completely where you kind of had guys sort of figuring things out and it was super inconsistent. And then you watch the Michigan State game and it's like the receivers played very well. And then every week it was like, ah, you saw some flashes and then, you know, inconsistency. And then you get to the end of the year here and it's like one of the best games that they've played overall. So, you know, that and then Tanner getting hurt. I mean, Penn State game, you know, you wonder about, like, you know, the whole thing there. Ethan's making his first start on the road, kind of a tough spot for him to be in. Uh, Illinois game just didn't play very well, you know, and Illinois had a good scheme, and, you know, that's the way she goes. But I think, you know, Purdue is a moment that fans will look back on thinking, okay, what what would the season have looked like if they could have got that done? Because I just sit back and see that play in my head in the red zone, that dropped, inter- dropped <laughs> touchdown interception. It's bad like, when man. that's the moment of the season. Yeah, I think about that all the time. You know, that is the moment of the season to this point. Oh, man, I remember that play, and I'm like, you know, these are the kind of plays that end up defining games, end up hurting you at the end of the season, especially, you know, this is not like it's the NFL where, like, you have a little margin for error. You know, you can – you can lose to the Cincinnati Bengals and, you know, still get hot at the at the end of the season and, yep. you know, you can make, make it, it to the Super Bowl. Yep, you can make everything good by cashing your check in the playoffs. Well, even in college football, when they expand the college football playoff to 12 teams, that's still leaving 118 teams out. Right, yeah. But still, it, it limits that. It, it, it creates a little more margin for error, which I do like a lot because then you some of these teams, you know, that, you just get a tough draw. You maybe get an injury. You don't start fast. You're able to still potentially figure things out and can get into the playoff. But, you know, I just, I don't know. I look back on this season and I say, you know, there, there were some awesome moments. There were some disappointing moments, but you know, Hey, got to eight wins, got a bowl game. Now next year, you got to figure some things out. You got to hit the transfer portal hard here, try to get some get some players in here at some key spots. So a part of next year will include Marcus Allen, uh, spent two seasons with the Badgers. This year had 
just seven receptions for 91 yards and a touchdown. Is this a player that we should be excited about to help out the Gopher football receiving core, or is this kind of just a a wait-and-see-how-he-fits-in kind of thing? Absolutely. I I think fans should be excited about what he can bring. You know, just the idea of having a receiver that, you know, he's very good in contested catch situations. He makes plays on the ball, a good red zone receiver, thrives in the intermediate game, which is something that Minnesota wants. Good hands, catches the ball, uh, really good run blocker too. That's something that I saw on the high school film going back is that this guy can run block, which Minnesota needs that with, with their running game. So you think about if, if Bell does indeed come back, you got Bell, you got Allen, you got Jackson, you got Wright. So you got some good stuff on the perimeter. Now I'm like looking going, okay, maybe they bring in a slot receiver. You know, I know Lamecki, you know, is a, is another option, but like somebody that, you know, can be dynamic, stretch you out vertically, uh, win in space in the screen game. Like Corey Crooms, a receiver at Western Michigan, just went in the portal. Uh, I'm keeping an eye on him as someone who Minnesota could potentially pursue. You know, the big thing is, Ross, we're kind of waiting to see, you know, what the final decisions are on some of the players currently on the roster, where are there going to be some gaps that need to be filled to have a better idea of what personnel Minnesota might target. But I think, you know, just holistically, you know, maybe another wide receiver, O-line need to get some assistance there, linebacker, maybe take a depth safety. Um, those are just a few that, that, that stand out at this point. Gaps being filled don't just apply to the players on the field. It applies to coaching staffs all across the country. Two big ones in the Big Ten West. Matt Rule signs an eight-year deal to be the head football coach at the University of Nebraska. Uh, the next one pains me. Until early Sunday morning, I loved Luke Fickle. I was huge into Luke Fickle. Uh, envisioned a scenario where maybe one day down the road he was the head football coach of the University of Minnesota. Now I hope as long as Luke Fickle is coaching that team from the East, he never wins another college football game again and is so bad he gets fired from his job at the University of Minnesota or University of Wisconsin. I don't buy that that will happen for one second, but that is the hope. Uh, talk about those two hires, Daniel, and how they affect the Big Ten West specifically. I thought the Luke Fickle hire is outstanding. And I say that because Wisconsin's critical issue recently has been recruiting. Their roster is just not where it typically is. They had a huge fall off. They weren't innovating. They were kind of stuck in the stone age, especially offensively. Now you bring in a guy like Luke Fickle who develops talent at a very high level. A record nine players drafted last year at Cincinnati continues to you know drive that program forward and now you bring the player development recruiting trait the the ability to recruit uh ohio which is an area that you know wisconsin would like to win some recruiting battles in because there's a lot of talent there Uh, it just it, it strengthens the the recruiting battles that minnesota will face and then you know, looking at, at Nebraska with Matt Rule, I, I guess we've talked about it. I wasn't super surprised that they ended up going for going for Matt Rule. But, man, that contract, though. I mean, like $9.5 million, Are you kidding me? The assistant there's, pool, I think. The there's money in Lincoln. I, I can confirm that. Oh. If, if you didn't believe it, you know it now. Now, I see people that are saying, okay, you know, look at Matt Rule. And, and he's won, you know, one game in the first year. 
at his stops and has struggled particularly in the first year. But let's keep in mind that Matt Rule didn't have this transfer portal in those situations. This is the time where he gets the transfer portal to build roster. I think where Matt Rule's strength is going to be is, you know, targeting the transfer portal, finding the right personnel, and then, you know, building around that, you know, schematically. And he's rounding out staff hires at UConn's running backs coach. I know I talked to some people in the business that said he's going to be a star type of coach. So going to get him and Jake Peets uh, coming in, he was with LSU with the Rams and now, you know, going to Nebraska. Uh, Matt Rule's putting together a very good staff in Nebraska because he has those resources. So, you know, two strong hires uh, in in the Big Ten West, which, you know, the West's going away. But you think about Matt Rule, Luke Fickle, and then you got Lincoln Riley and Chip Kelly coming very soon with USC and UCLA. I mean, the coaching in the Big Ten is phenomenal right now. Like, you you look at that group of coaches and it's like, man, I'm, I'm so excited about the future of the Big Ten. And who does Matt Rule open up against next season, Daniel House? The Golden Gophers at Huntington Bank Stadium. And that's the thing, like, you have no film on, on you know, Matt yeah. Rule, what he's going to do, what is the system going to It's going to be one of those games where, you know, the first game's already challenging, but when you're playing a Big Ten West game against a brand new head coach, it creates even more challenges. Hey, on the recruiting thing, and maybe it's less as important now with the transfer portal, but one thing you've hinted at, maybe pretty much have said on this podcast, and you can correct the record after I finish the statement here if I'm misquoting you or not accurately portraying it, but a part of what you talked about, the downfall, and I don't even want to say downfall at Wisconsin, but just kind of the regression at Wisconsin and even at Nebraska was they just weren't recruiting great players or maybe players that were, especially in Nebraska's case, just too small on the offensive and defensive line. Well, the last few years, at least according to the people who know it far better than I do, the Gopher recruiting classes haven't been received to be all that great. Is is that a problem or something that should be on the radar of Gophers fans, or is that maybe something that's not as important to you at this moment? Here's what I'll say is I, I believe people have to look at this through different prisms. Okay. So you got to look at this, this, this era of college football. It's, it's not just about four year recruiting. Now, I mean, it's, it's important and you got to get a, a talent in those classes, but I also think teams now are, are of the opinion that, okay, I'm going to hit the transfer portal very hard for impact players at positions where, you know, this roster needs to get, a little bit more development. You got younger players that aren't quite ready yet. Then when in four-year recruiting, you're sort of looking at, okay, here are a couple of, you know, blue chip guys that, that can develop up and, and shine in the future. And then here are some players that, you know, need coaching, need some player development, but have athletic traits. They have the, the skills needed to potentially come become a very good football player. So I think what teams are doing now is it's like the – the transfer portal is sort of free agency and the four-year recruiting is the draft. So you're kind of long playing it with the four-year recruiting and then you're sitting there going, okay, I'm going to fill in immediate holes that I need to fill where, you know, maybe it didn't work out with other players. Uh, Maybe you have a weakness in the roster. That's how you're kind of pairing up your roster strategy these days. I love the analogy, but it is interesting because if you if you do that long play with the four-year recruiting, 
you're also admitting, unless you've really sold a kid on the vision that, hey, for a year or two, you're not going to play a lot. You might even redshirt, but by junior, senior year, you're going to play a lot. But if you can't convince a kid to follow that plan, he may show up for a year and enter the transfer portal himself. Well, so that's, that's interesting. It. You know, it's that's just it. Like, you know, I think the the big time players, it's more of, OK, now you got to find this player a role so that they they consider, you know, not transferring immediately. But I also feel as if there are players out there that just they're going to come in, they're going to learn the system, they're going to grow I think, you know, a good example of this is Anthony Smith, defensive end from Pennsylvania, who was in the program this year, didn't play. But I'm telling you right now, Gopher fans, get ready for Anthony Smith, defensive lineman, defensive end. He is going to be a dynamic player for this program. Get ready for future seasons with him. Knowledge is power when it comes to Gophers football, Gophers basketball, and Gophers athletics. So I encourage everybody to get their knowledge at gophersguru.com. Knowledge also is power when it comes to coffee and my friends at Beans Coffee Company. They don't want you to miss out on everything that's happening at Beans Coffee Company. So do this for me. Even if you don't want the coffee at this moment, maybe you've heard me talk about Beans Coffee Company, at least do this for me. If you're not going to go to the website and purchase something at this moment, Here's what you need to do. Subscribe to their email newsletter. Subscribers, you receive advance notice on limited time sales, new releases, promo codes, which I'll get to in moments, and so much more. Do that at coffeebybeans.com. Then when you're there, check out all the great blends and offers that they have for you. While you're there, you can sign up for a coffee subscription. Subscriptions can be set up in one to eight week intervals. They can be customized by your favorite blend. Choosing 12-ounce or 5-pound bulk bags, have them delivered right to your door. One last thing for you to worry about. One last thing to remember when you're making that online grocery list or heading to the store yourself. Don't forget to use the promo code SPORTSCHAT. That Sports Chat, when you order, you'll save 10% and you'll be supporting Minnesota Sports Chat. Beans Coffee Company, they ship anywhere in the U.S., with free shipping on all orders of $35 or more. Visit coffeebybeans.com. That's coffeebybeans.com to take advantage of all the great stuff going on at Beans Coffee Company. Again, promo code SPORTSCHAT. It would mean a heck of a lot to me. If you're a coffee drinker, know somebody maybe this holiday season, you're looking for a great gift, I highly recommend Beans Coffee Company. I am just guzzling down. Maybe I'll slurp it up here. That is the Perfectus blend. Daniel, I owe you some coffee. I have some for you. I'll get it to you the next time I see you, or I'll pop it in the mail. Sound like a plan? It sounds good to me. I'm ready, man. Let's try this out. You also drinking some coffee out of a bougie coffee mug? What is that? This is a Nespresso. Okay. So you got to you got to have the Nespresso coffee maker. That's what I got, and it, it it does the swirling technology to get you the the best tasting coffee. You, that is an automatic. You would thoroughly break down your coffee maker, wouldn't you? You you would have a thorough breakdown of how your coffee's being made of all the people that I know it would be. That's you. literally that's literally <laughs> my life. Everybody that knows me knows that I am the ultimate research guy. It's analytics, analytics, analytics. <laughs> no, it's it's information. I don't like to call it in- analytics. It's information. Knowledge guy. is power. Knowledge is power, me boy. Info. 
Uh, let's do this. Let's give some info on uh, Championship Saturday. Although I don't love that term anymore because there's always one big game on Friday night, which is the Pac-12, which features Utah and USC from Las Vegas. Uh, the other big games this weekend, Saturday, Kansas State takes on TCU. TCU with a chance to punch their ticket to the college football playoff. We also have LSU and Georgia. LSU could really screw things up, at least as far as the rankings go, if they were to beat Georgia. Georgia's not going to fall out of the playoff mix. Would be interesting, though, to have a three-loss LSU team win the conference but not make it to the playoff. You also have Michigan and Purdue, Clemson and North Carolina, and UCF and Tulane could be sneaky fun. Those two teams just played, and Tulane was victorious. Tulane needs to stay in the top 16 to earn a New Year's Six bowl game bid. Is Luke Fickle going to coach in that game for Cincy, or is he outski already? I don't, I don't know. Is he coaching Kerry the Combs. championship game? Kerry Combs is coaching it. Luke Fickle's actually said he is going to help Jim Leonard with Wisconsin's bowl game. Okay, yeah, and the Jim Leonard thing's interesting. I saw Luke Fickle said that he hopes they can have Jim Leonard back. I got to imagine at some point Jim Leonard's going to get a head coaching gig, although it's not going to be at Wisconsin, at least most likely in the next few years. What stands out to you this uh, championship weekend in college football? I'm excited for USC and Utah. And I have honestly, like, I've grown to enjoy watching Pac-12 football. Like, just the the scheme side of it with, with Lincoln Riley in there now. And Utah's put together quality teams. I mean, you look at the numbers. USC right now is number one in the nation in EPA per play. Caleb Williams is so dynamic, playing extremely high level. You got Addison at receiver. Like, USC has some holes defensively, but they can score with anybody. And that's why I've told some people, I think USC is the team that you do not want to play right now because of Lincoln Riley's scheme, the quarterback play. I would argue they're the best quarterback overall in the top four teams. So when you get into the playoff, you're going to have to keep pace with that offense. And so I, I look forward to seeing the rematch, Utah and USC. You know, Utah winning the first game in a shootout, going back and forth. I do think USC has improved since that game, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm looking forward to that game a lot. And also Kansas State and, and TCU. I feel as if Kansas State's defense doesn't get enough love nationally, especially the front seven ability to rush the passer. I know, Ross, you were able to see Kansas State in person earlier this year. I think, you know, Kansas State TCU is a potential game where Kansas State could win, and that would shake up the whole college football playoff landscape. You probably got Ohio State moving up to four. Yeah, which honestly, Ohio State and Michigan both making the playoffs is good for the the Gophers and everybody in the Big Ten. It moves them up a slot. Although I suppose potentially it could keep Wisconsin out of the quick lane bowl, and I was kind of hoping that that's where they would be uh, where they would be headed. Uh, Daniel, one thing worth note: I'm going to continue to play the Minnesota connection. New Mexico State had a game earlier this year postponed. It's it's yeah. not going to be made up. But they found another opponent for Saturday. They're going to play uh, FCS Valparaiso. And guess what? If Jerry Kill can win that game, he is 6-6 six and six and bowl eligible and most likely will find a home. How about that for the killer? I know. I can't even believe that, dude. You go look <laughs> at the numbers, it's like they're 108th in offensive EPA per play. Like, 
it, it is amazing that they are able to to get that many wins. Well, I never doubted Jerry Kill, not a day in my life. That's a true story. I've disagreed with a lot of the comments he's made since leaving Minnesota, but I do think he's a pretty darn good football coach. House, I'm I'm actually pretty excited for LSU and Georgia. I think that could be a fair amount of fun. I don't quite know what to make of the game, though. I mean, it, if Georgia comes ready to play, I think they should win comfortably. But who knows? I mean, Georgia, aside from hanging a banner... What are they really playing for? They know they're going. To, they know they're going to make it to the playoff. Yeah, I just I think that Georgia's defense is extremely talented. Honestly, I think their offense is playing at an even higher level than it ever. Had. I think that game is it could be one of the most lopsided games of the weekend. Honestly, I, I could see Georgia just running away with it. Yeah, and I'm not a big Brian Kelly fan at all. So if that were to happen, I would be okay with that. I want to switch gears just a little bit, talk just a tiny bit of NFL. Is it yeah. is it too early to plan the parade for the Vikings locking up the number two seed? When you start looking at the math, Daniel House, it's really tough to see the Vikings getting more than the number two seed just because of tiebreakers. Right. They don't own a tiebreaker with Dallas or Philadelphia. And... They're two games clear of the next closest team in the NFC that's a division leader or winner. It seems it's not mathematically impossible, but with each passing week, it looks more and more likely that the Minnesota Vikings will be the number two seed in the NFC. It's possible, but I'm also keeping an eye on Dallas because I think Dallas is playing very good football right now. You look at their schedule. They've got the Colts and the Texans and the Jaguars the next three games. So that's probably three W's. Then they play the Eagles at home at Tennessee, at Washington. So the last three games will be a little more challenging. But the Vikings are, are can't really lose two games because if they end up tied with Dallas, correct. currently Dallas will have the tiebreaker and get the two. So I look at, at the end of the season going, the Vikings have to finish strong here but, and, and maintain. But to your point, though, Dallas would have to win the division for the tiebreakers to be... Correct. To be useful, right? So again, right. that's where it just seems very likely the Minnesota Vikings will be the two seed. It would actually be better if Dallas were to come back and win the East and the Vikings stayed a game ahead of Dallas, then the Vikings could move up to the number one seed. But, right, yeah. yeah. The math the math just continues to show the Vikings are, I never want to use the word virtual lock with the Minnesota Vikings, but it's going to be really difficult to go higher than two or lower than two at this point. But I don't think Philadelphia is playing particularly well right now. They're not. Nah, but they're 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 scheduled. They're they're playing a lot of FCS teams like New Mexico State is. They're not defending the run. This Chauncey Gardner Johnson uh, injury uh, is going to be you know a very big one. I believe you know when he we'll see when he's able to come back. Sounds like it's not season ending with that lacerated kidney. But you look at the Titans this week. You got you know. A couple divisional games coming up, Giants twice. You got the Cowboys once at Dallas. I mean, I I still think that, that the Eagles could lose a couple of games here because they're not playing particularly well. I, I thought their performance against the Packers was, was sloppy at times, specifically on defense. Uh, we'll finish with this. The fighting Chester Taylors take on the uh, fighting former Frank Soliches in the MAC championship game. Who do you got, oh. Toledo or Ohio? Ooh. 
I think I'm taking Toledo. You're a big Rockets fan. Big, big Rockets guy. Huge Rockets guy, dude. (laughs) Toledo, baby. House, what do people need to be checking out at gophersguru.com, and why do they need to subscribe and become a member? You should head over there right now because I wrote about transfer portal targets in the early wave of the portal. I've been sitting here scouring transfer portal social media accounts, finding players that might fit for the Gophers. I got three right now, including a kicker, Ross. I know this is right in your wheelhouse. Oh, no. I am all about going to get the best kicker that you can. I, I have logic behind it. So you can go check that out on the website. Transfer portal stuff, signing day coming on the 21st. So I have some content leading into that and just all the analysis you could want on, on go for football. And the next three weeks are going to be crazy. I'm looking forward to it. Do you have, uh, I didn't even ask you this, and, and we'll talk again before the bowl game. And I think the next time we talk before the bowl game, let's talk about Ben Johnson's squad who might win five more games this year. Well, let's talk about them too. But um, you guys should see the look that House just gave me. Um, do you have a preferred destination for the Gophers of the three that I mentioned? Because I think it's going to be one of those three most likely. I think they're all. I think they're all fine. I like avoiding bowls where it's primarily the sponsor is in the bowl. So I guess I'd prefer the Pinstripe Bowl or uh, at least Nashville because it's a cool location. Look, the Duke's Mayo Bowl is actually a nice opponent and a good bowl game. I just despise the name. I I would like to see. Nashville Music City Bowl versus the University of Kentucky. That's what I'd like to see that matchup. Or the Duke's Mayo Bowl, Minnesota versus NC State. Those would be the the couple. Or Pitt, maybe. Yeah, I saw uh, some. Be, I saw some projections with Florida State too. That would be kind of fun. That would be a great. I would be very excited about that. That would be a fun one to be able to preview. There's a lot of cool stuff with the Florida State schematically, but you know. Uh, I, I I really want the mail bowl because I want to see PJ's bald head get dunked with a with a full set of mayo. They got to get the squeegee out there. To, yes, to get the mayo off the top of his head, man. Uh, just stop for one moment and imagine the PJ and Heather Fleck post game makeout session as he is just covered in mayo. <laughs> imagine that. I think that's something you can find on one of those paid for websites. I think. Uh, We'll leave it at that. Daniel, always good to talk to you, my man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Daniel House, gophersguru.com, at Daniel House NFL on the Twitter machine. Hey, thank you so much uh, for supporting Minnesota Sports Chat, rating, reviewing, uh, buying up Beans Coffee at coffeebybeans.com. I really do appreciate it. I actually met a lot of people at some work events the last few weeks that say they listen to this podcast as well. So thank you for that, and thank you for supporting Daniel as well. I really appreciate it. Happy holiday season to you, recording this on December 1st. So we are in the throes of the holiday season. Thank you so much for all that you do to support this podcast, and please spread good vibes, positivity, and cheer throughout this holiday season, especially to those that need it. I'm Ross Brendel saying thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again real soon.